Hey, this is Rob, and that's Micaiah, and you are listening to You Forgot One. Today, we are entering into the most difficult conversation of our friendship <laughs> and maybe of our lives to help settle the debate on the greatest Van Morrison album, Moondance or Astral Weeks. Micaiah, rather than jumping into our arguments for either one of these albums, we've invited Michael to essentially be judge and jury for us. So let's go ahead and jump right in to our break where you can hear from today's independent record store of the week, as well as our sponsor, Anchor. And then we will be back with our friend, our very first second-time guest, Michael Washburn, and we will let you hear all of our arguments for why Moondance and Astral Weeks might be the best Van Morrison album. Hey, this is Rob, and I'm excited to tell you all about our independent record store of the week. This week, we are highlighting Lakeland, Florida's own Jesse Carl Vinyl. Jesse Carl Vinyl has albums, CDs, cassettes, and much more. They're open Tuesday to Friday, 11 a.m. to 6 p.m., and on Saturdays, they are open at 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., at 304 North Kentucky Avenue, Suite 1150 in Lakeland, Florida, right downtown. You can shop online at jessecarlvinyl.com. That's J-E-S-S-E-C-A-R-L-Vinyl.com. jessecarlvinyl.com. We believe that you're going to love this record store, and we would encourage you to pick up one of Van Morrison's many great albums at jessecarlvinyl.com. There, there are albums where we disagree on, where we agree that the artist has an all-time great album that should be on our list, but we disagree on what that album should be. And so for like the Beatles, you know, there was some disagreement, you know, Revolver, Sgt. Peppers, for the replacements, you know, I'm a huge fan of Please to Meet Me. Mm -hmm. He's a huge fan of, of, of Let It Be. But even in all of those albums, we've been able to at least kind of understand where the other person is coming from. <laughs> this has been the first time in recording this podcast where for, a, for two weeks now leading up to this, We've gone back and forth, just here's all the reason Moondance is the better album. No, no, no. Here's all the reasons Astral Weeks is the better album. And it's, it has gotten as chippy as we have ever been with one no, another. See, now, it, it started with here's why Astral Weeks is better, here's why Moondance is better, and very quickly was like, no, here's why you're wrong, uh -huh. you know, <laughs> and here's why I'm right. That's and, a very Van Morrison move, actually. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty fitting. So It feels, feels appropriate. Yeah, so this is this is the first time where, you know, I get done texting Rob and I look at my fiance. I'm like, I just don't understand him. You know, we've been doing so many of these episodes together. It's just like I, I we're not on the same page. <laughs> well, look, I'm I'm thrilled to be back. 
And uh, I also am thrilled to be like holding a different space in this conversation. Like the first time I was like the dorky dude who had a petty drum to beat. I'm coming here totally as a fan, right? And I love the <laughs> fact that I get to, to some extent, referee your debate. And honestly, <laughs> like in the last two days, I started to get super anxious about this conversation because, I mean, when you plead your case, if, if, if the email that was sent to me earlier today, if I'm going to like adjudicate something here, like I'm going to need some appeals because I could go, I mean, I've got a flip-flop back and forth so many times. And mm-hmm. I... Um, I'm, it's going to be fun to talk about this, but I mean, this is a particularly, I mean, there's a lot of thorny tension between these two records, you know, and that's why I think he's, this is why I kind of put him on the list of things I thought would be interesting to talk about. So Micaiah, tell us about Astral Weeks. Oh, brother. Well, first of all, you know, he has his fingers in a lot of pie. His, his influence uh, has a very wide reach. Um, and before Astral Weeks, there is um, his first album, uh, which is kind of poorly tiled, uh, blowing your mind in 1967, Summer of Love. And it has, you know, Brown Eyed Girl, which becomes a, a pretty big hit. Uh, but uh, it's money that he's not really seeing, mm-hmm. uh, despite it is, is, it's being a hit. And it's kind of the song that he wrote to be a hit, because the rest of the album doesn't really reflect that sound at all and it's kind of the one that he kind of frowns upon you know it's it's not one that he's gonna i don't think he plays it live very much um if ever but and and yet at the same time it's kind of the the groundwork for what would be the sound of moon dance but yeah but then but then comes astral weeks where the way he tells he being Van Morrison, the stories that he was very much a, a starving artist. Maybe that's hyperbole. Uh, maybe that makes for a better narrative. Maybe that's him, you know, being just so inspired by people like James Joyce, you know, all, all these great writers, all the great starving artists he's inspired by. But Astral Weeks, yeah, it mixed reviews when it first came out. People really didn't know what to make of it. And it's 1968. Um, it's a weird album for Van Morrison. It's a weird album for 1968. We also have the White Album that year, Electric Ladyland, uh, music from Big Pinks. We heard of the Rodeo uh, by the Birds. So there's more of that that country sound is happening, and that a lot of mm-hmm. that's because of Bob Dylan doing John Wesley Harding. Yeah. So this this takes a, a very uh, different approach. Uh, yet over time, you know, it's uh, on the first Rolling Stones 500 list. It was number 20, mm-hmm. pretty high. Um, when they redid the list in 2020, it dropped to 60. Uh, Pitchfork's best album of the 60s, uh, it's number 24. Spin on the al- best albums of 1968 had it at number eight. You know, So it's an underdog album at the time, but since then has always been you know, highly appreciated. Um, and a lot of that is due to the writing of people like Lester Bangs, who about 10 years after that wrote this uh, pretty famous essay of like rock criticism about how much he loved uh, Astral Weeks, which if anyone you know hasn't read it, highly recommend if you're into him or music criticism and this album. Um, and when we talk about why it's so different is that it's hard to classify. People call it 
a rock album, like the the whole Lester Bangs album is like this is one of the great rock albums of all time. It's really hard to find any rock and roll on Astral Weeks. Mm-hmm. Really, he sings like a rock and roll star. He comes from rock and roll, but it's not really there. Um, people call it a folk album. It's not even really much of a folk album. Um, people say there's a huge blues influence. And it's certainly the way that he sings, that's true. Um, and soul music uh, is probably yeah. even better. Right. And I think that yeah. one of the primary distinctions between the two albums that are under discussion tonight is um, is a jazz impulse, right? And that's not anything other than just the uh, elasticity with which song structures are treated on the two records. And that feels like one of the primary differences in these two records to me. And it's just a sort of like bafflingly uh, beautiful mm-hmm. stuff that happened on, um, on Astral Weeks, which is really just about like guys in a room together hearing each other, right? And playing yeah. and stretching out whatever the, I mean, they're incredible songs. I was trying to think about like, what if, you know, like someone like Edie Verkel was singing Astral Weeks or Sweet Thing, right? or Cypress Avenue, and they would still be incredible songs. But the document of those performances is so, like, I think, beholden to, like, a freedom of jazz that is absent on Moondance because there's so much more attention paid to, like, a well-crafted performance of a much more poppy song, right? And I feel like those are very, like, and that, then you can chart that impulse, like, through his career, right? But I feel like it's really poignant on those two records and i think that it is specifically like one i think it's a reaction to blowing your mind with the exclamation point right astral weeks mm-hmm. is the anti blowing your mind because if that failed why not fail brilliantly right if you're going to get another chance right mm-hmm. um but i feel like that there's just like a ranging uh curiosity to the performances on astral weeks which give it this singular nature right which is different than moon dance which is a lot more like locked in on tight songs Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not going to show my cards on what I think is like pref- what I prefer there, but I think that's the, I think that it is like a jazz impulse that separates the two in my mind. The creative freedom that you hear on Astral Weeks strikes me at times as, as somewhat self-indulgent. Moon on, dance on whose behalf? I don't know if it's Van Morrison as a songwriter or, or if it's just, Again, the nature of the recording process, where the, you're you're just getting more. Um, you, you are there is that it does seem to be that freedom of. I mean, there's look, there's jams in Astral Weeks. It feels like um, there are eight of them. <laughs> eight for eight, buddy. <laughs> there, there seems to be far more attention paid to writing pop if not pop songs writing pop friendly songs writing now what we for, for writing writing hits yeah mm-hmm. for the listeners what what we're really talking about is that moon dance the songs on moon dance have verses and choruses and a bridge <laughs> yeah and in astral they weeks structure. they do not yeah all right it it astral weeks is known for uh just being just stream of consciousness right like like you're reading walt whitman Right, just just a stream of consciousness, and uh, a lot of what he's singing is just moments or images, and none and none of it's none of it's really strictly narrative. Um, none, so he repeats 
some refrains sometimes, but they're never really a chorus. So um, the thing about Astro Week Sue is it's not musically, it's not really a toe tapper. It's not there for you to kind of nod your head and tap your toes. It, it is trying to get you to do something else entirely. And, uh, but it's not trying to command you to do something entirely that that's going to come down to your experience of mm. how you, um, just listen to an album. Um, so, so yeah, so that, that, that's, that's really the major difference. And at least from Van Morrison's perspective, the other is who's making up the bands who play on yeah, these man. albums. Yeah. That, that's another huge thing. It's Van Morrison, right? Leading all the songs, singing all the songs, writing all the songs. But his band, they're all jazz guys. Every one of them. So he gets this group of, of jazz musicians in the studio and they say that some of them said, particularly Richard Davis, who I'll talk about later says, I don't even know that we met him officially. I don't think he introduced himself. He came in and said, do what you feel. And he recorded his guitar and his vocals in a booth. And uh, Richard Davis kind of led the band. They cut the tracks live, right? Yeah, in the studio. And then, um, so the band would be um, the bassist, the guitarist, uh, the percussionist who's also playing vibraphone, uh, the drummer and the flautist who also was playing uh, soprano sax at one point. And then uh, additional horns and strings were overdubbed. So you have this relatively small jazz band in the room and van in a booth. And who these people are, Richard Davis... Uh, who's playing bass and is kind of the band leader, kind of sharing duties with Van Morrison on this album. Um, Famously was on Eric Dolphy's Out to Lunch from 1964, one of just the greatest, most highly acclaimed jazz records of all time. All right, so that's where this album's coming from. Uh, On guitar, uh, Jay Berliner, I believe is his name, played on what I think is my favorite, maybe the best Charles Mingus album, uh, the black saint and the lady center. He's playing a a jazz guitar, but uh, also just kind of playing like on beside you. It's not so jazzy. It's just more kind of classical acoustic guitar kind of stuff. It's it's, it's a bananas album. Uh, Warren Smith is playing the vibraphone and uh, he had played with Miles Davis, Aretha Franklin, Nina Simone, also Charles Mingus. Connie Kay is on the drums from the uh, Modern Jazz Quartet, who'd also played with Miles Davis, Cannonball Adderley, Chet Baker, Bill Evans, Sonny Rollins. And then you have uh, John Payne, who's on the flute and soprano sax. Larry Fallon, uh, who also uh, who played, did the string arrangements and the harpsichord on Cypress Avenue, which is great. And also did strings on Gimme Shelter and uh, Chelsea Girls. So, and then there's a mystery flautist, by the way, 
on the first day of recording. Got a home on high. Ain't nothing but a stranger in this world. I'm nothing but a stranger in this world. There, there, there are two halves of this album. There's what Van's doing, and there's what this jazz band is doing under the leadership of Richard Davis. And I think that gets lost in the narrative a lot. Cause I think it's like, wow, Van's so mystical and so genius, but really what's happening musically is him uh, trusting these jazz musicians and just say, do what you feel. And they, <laughs> a lot of them, I think they said like, Oh, he played the song for us once through do what you feel. And some of the stuff that ends up on the album first take is what's on the record. Mm-hmm. That's, and I think um, among them, I think the title track, the first track, um, is um, the first take. I think it might be the only take. In another time, in another place, in another time. Now, what what ends up on the record is um, eight eight hours of recording, mm-hmm. um, three days in the studio, about over eight hours. That's what um, became Astral Weeks. On yeah, September twenty fifth, they did Cypress Avenue, Madame George, and Beside You, and then Van was like, "Hey, I want to try to squeeze in one more." They did Astral Weeks, banged it out, moved on. On October first. I've seen two competing narratives. Either nothing from that day ended up on the album or uh, as Young Lovers Do ended up on the album. And then on uh, October 15th, Sweet Thing, Ballerina, Slim Slow Slider. And then it was out by November. But, 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 I, but that's, I mean, you feel the immediacy and you feel that hunger. And, and, and at the same time, for there to be that much freedom and expression on there, um, something that's pretty miraculous i mean i agree i think it is kind of a like my first experience with anything off that record i was um i was backpacking through europe right and i had a like 1995 and i had a walkman right and i was someplace i don't know where but i found like van morrison's greatest hits cassette right and i bought that and i listened to it and it starts with like uh the bright side of the road the dark side of the street whatever and I think it's Van Morrison's greatest hits. It's obviously full of incredible songs, but in the middle, there's Sweet Thing, right? And I was strong and merry when jumped the hedges first. And I will drink the clear, clean water for the quench my thirst. Which, at that point, I had no reference, right? I was a young dummy. And uh, I was like, what? Once I found out there was an entire record of these gems, like I did not know how to metabolize that. But I feel like, and even from that first listen, and what was so astonishing about hearing Sweet Thing for the first time, so how obvious that it is such a living performance 
in a way that I think most studio albums fail to attain mm-hmm. right? when they try to like nail something down. I mean, there's just something that like, it's not replicable, right? I've never heard a live performance of any of those songs that gets anywhere near in yeah. gesture and tension and feeling or impact any of the things that happen when I hear with those tracks on that album. Now, I think that uh, I'm not, I don't think it's eight for eight. There's a couple of tracks on there that I could like, I think there's, they're, they're, they feel weak to me. But even those songs, I mean, there's just such an immediacy to it. And I think a lot of it has to do with what exactly what you're talking about. The fact that like these jazz guys came in, obviously it couldn't have been that poor because these guys are not playing for free, right? But like the studio was supporting them, I guess. And they came in and they just cut this stuff. And it's just so vital and alive and like effervescent and incredible. Um, and I think that's one of its like, it's imagistic brilliance aside, lyrically speaking, and the incredible, like almost choreography of the musicians aside, if you can put those two things aside, there's just something that's so incredible about the immediacy and the fact that it very much feels like a really incredible explosion captured, right? And probably not even with intention, right? And it's, I find that entirely overwhelming every time I put that record on. Like as soon as you drop the needle on Astral Weeks, it's just an enveloping, I mean, I don't even know if those songs are in 4-4. Like I'm, I lose all critical faculty when yeah. that album is on, you know? Like, and they're not, of course he's slipping between meters, right? Um, in some of those tracks. I, I don't I don't disagree with any of that. I, I, I agree with with so much of, of, of what you're saying there. It does sound immediate. The the album version I think Sweet Thing is as close as you get to a Absolute perfect recording. <laughs> it it is it is the best song without question on Astro Weeks in my mind. I I, I, I think I think Sweet Things I yeah, think it's number Sweet, two, man. I think Sweet Thing and then Astral Weeks would be would be would would be my one and two on on that album. And then ball, and then look, Ballerina would probably be third or fourth for me. Um, so so already I'm kind of looking at that and being like, wow. So man, you know, October fifteenth, whatever was happening in that on that day, man, they 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 came in and they really got it. My struggle as a Van Morrison fan is that. When Van Morrison is writing, is is endeavoring to write great scaffolded, structured songs, pop pop songs, rock songs, whatever you know, you know, <laughs> ready ready to be released as singles. When he crafts those songs, I think that's where he's at his very best. And so, again. Sweet thing in Astral Weeks, I think, are, are my one and two on on Astral Weeks. But there's not a song on Astral Weeks that comes anywhere close to being as good as Into the Mystic or Caravan or Crazy Lo- Like, with the exception of the with the exception of the title track, 
I think side one of Moondance is four songs better than any that I, that, that I find on Astral Weeks. And again, I think, I think the issue there is the Van Morrison that I love is the Van Morrison who writes classic songs. And so there is something special about Astral Weeks as, as a whole. I, I guess that, that would be the best way to, to kind of articulate that argument is that I think Astral Weeks almost has to be experienced as, as the sum of its parts, whereas I think you can take four or five songs off of Moondance and go, yeah, these are among the best songs that Van Morrison has ever written. Yeah, what Rob is saying gestures to like, because I've sounded very pro-Astral Weeks in this debate until now, but I think that Rob's getting exactly some of the stuff... I think about Moondance. I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't think we should sell short side too either. I mean, mm-hmm. I think Glad Tidings is an absolutely like as an album closer. Yeah. That mm-hmm. is a colossal recording. It's an incredible song. Um, I, I really I, love Come Running too. Yeah, me too. I love it. I love it. I love These Dreams of You. Um, I think that's on side too. Um, I think the weakest, like everyone, I think is probably the weakest soft spot on side two of that record. Um, I, so, I'm going to be brief about this and hopefully you all can make something of it or ignore it or whatever. But I feel like when I think of what Moondance is compared to Astral Weeks, yeah, it is a discrete, almost like modular series of songs that can be lifted and moved around. Right. But I also think it's more consistent mm-hmm. than Astral Weeks. Um, I like if the argument was, how do you introduce someone to Van Morrison? You obviously introduce them to Van Morrison with Moondance. We were born before the wind Also younger than the sun Yeah, the bonnie boat was one As we sail into the mystic That's the, like, the first album that you get someone to be a fan of Van Morrison with because of the consistency. I don't know if that outweighs Astral Weeks, but, um, but I think that there's something about the sort of the attention to songcraft, mm-hmm. to tight songcraft, and the consistent attention to great tight songcraft that makes Moondance a really astonishing document. Mm-hmm. Even, even, if it, it, even if admittedly, it, it doesn't feel as immediate or present as Astral Weeks does. And, yeah. and, and, I, and I have no problem admitting that, that, mm-hmm. that Astral Weeks, that there is something that you hear in the recording of that band together in Astral Weeks that you don't hear on, on every track or even on most of the tracks on Moondance. But I, I do feel like you get better songs on Moondance. Well, you get and, crafted songs. You, yeah, you get crafted songs. You get, I mean, you that's, get that's the difference. Rather than, rather than stream of consciousness. And, and again, here's my issue with stream of consciousness. I, I, you know, look, Walt Whitman is... is the greatest American it, poet? Sure. But, and I think Walt Whitman might, might be a good example of what Van Morrison is uh, longing to be on Astral Weeks. And there are, and there are songs, there are, lines in, there are lines in the song Astral Weeks where you go, man, that is beautiful and evocative. And, and, and then there are lines where you're just like, dude's just high. On the song yeah. Astral Weeks? 
No, no, on, on, on the uh, album. On the oh, album. Okay. okay, sorry. I lost that, that's what I'm saying. So that's, <sighs> again, that's where I think, that's where I think Sweet Thing and Astral Weeks are, are the standouts of, of that album because they, and again, that's, that's the thing, is the, for me, the two best songs on Astral Weeks are the two songs that feel, dare I say, the most crafted. Like the, the, like the most prep went into those songs in comparison to the rest of the album. Mm. Well, well, Astral Weeks mm. is the one that he spent the most time writing, I mm-hmm. think, because that's something he had been working on long before getting into the studio. Say, but I, well, here, here's one thing I was thinking about when you were saying that is most people in music who we're going to, especially who we're going to talk about on this podcast can write a well-constructed song with great lyrics and a pop sensibility. Joe Strummer, Mick Jones can do a well-constructed song together. Right. Um, Lennon and McCartney, we're going to talk about great songwriting teams and great singer songwriters who can just verse chorus and pack them on an album. We did Tom Petty, who is one of the best at it. Very few can deliver on whatever Astral Weeks is. It's exceptional in that way. It's not made. I mean, of course, like moon dance is set up to be like, yeah, you can put any of these, a large group of them on a Van Morrison greatest hits. When you start taking Astral Week's songs out to put them in a greatest hits, they don't fail by themselves, um, but they don't fit into whatever you're putting them into. Like they belong together. Those eight so songs. is the album more important than the song, right? Is the sum of is the, the album more important of the parts? Yeah. Like I understand that in a certain way, that's an obvious yes in the context of this conversation. Yeah. But, I mean, um, for, for my case, yeah. I mean, Astral Weeks, the album is more important than, you know, the eight songs. Any song, yeah. any song yeah. on Astral Weeks. Any song or like, you know, the, the eight songs. It's not, for me, Astral Weeks, and, and I think great LPs, go beyond like, oh, here's a great list, you know, great thing of songs. Because at that point, why not just put like a, a, the like a James Brown star time box? It's like, well, that's all the songs. So why wouldn't that one be the one? Yeah, it, but, I, but I think to, to the point, so let me take the pin out of the question, Michael. At, at the core, in, in, in maybe, the, maybe the tension that Makai and I struggle with is the Venn diagram of our overlapping tastes. The overlapping section is pretty large, but where it is different, (laughs) where, where there is no overlap, it's, it's almost like it could not be further, further apart. And, and I think at the core of so much of that is, is one a generational thing. I'm 10 years older than Micaiah. And so that, that plays a role into it. Um, that also means that there was music I was exposed to when it first came out rather than having to go back and listen to it, you know, years, years later. So I think that changes some of it, certainly in terms of love for like 90s music. But ultimately, while, while there's some accounting for taste, I struggle with the idea of an album, of considering an album great that you cannot point to and say, here's the great songs. Oh, see, no, but... On, on I, I get that, world. but that's—I yeah. don't think that's like, like with Astro Weeks. I mean, I, earlier I said eight for eight, but I mean the way Young Lovers do 
is is a weak track um mostly because it sounds like a moon dance song um but but low, that's just a, low, low. <laughs> but no that i all kidding aside like but yeah, it, yeah. it it does not fit astral weeks uh but what's but the band on that track um is just destroying it like the the band is is killing it and the horns are great that are added later mm-hmm. and, and Vance's vocal performance is great but it's not a song for that album truthfully it, it it does i mean especially since it's in between cypress avenue and madam george like uh yeah that's rough things to bump shoulders with yeah when mm-hmm. especially when you're listening now like on cd like it, it can be yeah. very jarring. Not, not 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 as much when you're flipping side one over to side two but definitely now in the cd and streaming era it's it, it now has like the sore thumb effect i honestly find beside you kind of dull and drab too to be mm-hmm. really frank now i to have I, that between astral weeks and sweet thing that yeah. also feels like an affront you know yeah yeah i i think beside you would be the second weakest but i think beside you is is great but i i think i, I just think it's really sexy that's just kind of my in on, on uh, beside you even though i was reading it's like oh yeah it's like a lullaby for a child i was just like man i'm who i misread you all should edit that part out of this <laughs> oh uh, no you should you should you should see our text chain as we've been talking about this album for the last couple of weeks so so let's let's go ahead and start off our our huge disagreement on this joshua tree my favorite album of all time is is an album with great songs but it is also an album that I take as the whole is more than the sum of its parts. That, that you can take four or five tracks out of, uh, of Joshua Tree, really most of the singles out of Joshua Tree, and those, and those songs still do kind of stand on their own. But then the album as a whole, particularly uh, side B of Joshua Tree, I love and and it you know none of those songs were released the singles. I still think they're good, and and I think bringing that whole album together becomes more than even the strength of those of those songs. But but for me, I still need the the songs. Like I still need the well crafted song, whether it's the well crafted pop song, the well crafted rock song, whatever it is. Um, I, I I need a few singles in there. But to the point that you're making, Michael, that if, like, if I want my wife to get into Van Morrison and I'm putting together the playlist for her, you better put she's, Sweet Thing on she, it. She's getting one song from Astro Weeks. <laughs> like, she literally, she's getting one song from Astro Weeks. Uh, there, there are, there are five albums. There are five songs from Van Morrison's '80s period that I would put on before the second song I would include from Astral Weeks. But is it just no. because is it just because a CD is like 80 minutes and some songs on Astral Weeks are so long? No, is it, yeah. is, is this just uh... but but look to to that to that point, the average the average song length on Astral Weeks is nearly seven minutes long. Longer. Like, Make them longer. <laughs> yeah. Which I mean, by the way, there are on the newly remastered CD uh, it has ballerina parentheses long version i was like that song's are <laughs> what but it's great and it has um slim slow slider longer version 
I love you, but you're wrong. Now you can dig it, <laughs> no, no. Or not, but I don't think I said anything that was wrong. As as the like, it's like I'm the outsider. Like you guys know each other very well, and I'm just you know the guy that's been here. For, this is the second time, right? But um, and what the podcast audience probably doesn't know is that we can see each other right now. Yes, and um, and so I'm watching Rob respond or not. I just feel like you guys aren't even talking about the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> just, that's and, and it's that's really fair. interesting to that's watch how it feels. Disconnect, man. It's really, it's really interesting to observe the disconnect. Here's no, but why here's I the think thing. You're the, I love moon dance. <laughs> no, no, but so, so, Michael, this is why you are the perfect person to have on, not just as a fan, but but essentially your work, working with humanities NYC, like you you essentially are someone who is helping people have difficult conversations <laughs> oh, in, in, facilitating in, this dialogue. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean like this is, this is, this is really your day job. And so we thought, man, what, what better person to help us? Because we are, we're, it's, it's almost like we're not speaking the same language. Like I, I think, I think for both of us, we have such strong feelings about, okay, there is this period, there is this 68 to 74, 75, arguably period of Van Morrison's work where there is a whole lot of, of really great quality product that comes out from Van Morrison in this six, seven year period. And I think we both recognize that. And so we want to, in this podcast, we want to include a Van Morrison album from this period, <laughs> I I don't know that we're hearing each other anymore. So as as we as we take this now into a therapy session, but Michael, we, help us because I don't know that we're hearing each okay, other. Okay, so so let's just figure out a way to let's find a way to bridge, let's find a way to connect, right? Um, so the 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 objects we're talking about, the specimens most uh, fiercely under discussion, are his second and third record, right? Mm-hmm. And we know that there's another the remainder of the seventies are going to just have eruptions of brilliance, which are going to track along with either of these sort of impulses that differentiate these two records. So what other, like what, if you couldn't pick your favorite band records, what would you guys land on? What do you think about the rest of this high point period of his career? Like, are there ways to connect there or is, or like we going to have like his band and street choir totally opposed to Vidon Fleece? Are those things going to be totally at odds too? Right. Is this just different in like, you know, like Philip Roth has like the philosophical and the political mm-hmm. and I can have, I've seen people mm-hmm. just like chew each other's throats out fights about which of those is like the better Roth mode. Um, is that going to be like the instance here or like, is there common ground later on once we get away from like the, the sacred cows for each person? I mean, I think that it's just, I, I like the Astro Weeks, Van Morrison. He likes the Moon Dance, Van Morrison, and that was hard because my number two would be Veed and Fleece. Mm-hmm. I when I try to think of like, man, I can't I can't do like my top five songs from Veed and Fleece because it's Veed and Fleece. I don't want to mm-hmm. separate the parts, and and it's such a fantastic album and and work of art, and yeah. So I you know and then um, and if I'm gonna, you know. Uh, before I would want to listen to Moondance again, I would want to listen to St. Dominic's Preview, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I think balances the two sounds very well. 
uh, because yeah. you know the Jackie Wilson stuff is, is very Moondance sensibility, but then also the kind of listen to the lion almost very, Independence yeah. Day yeah. is is not afraid to go back to like the Astro Weeks kind of well of experimentation and 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 feeling things out in a way that is not typical rock song or, or pop and for what song. it's worth i think the title track of saint dominic's preview is probably if i had to lay money down on it that would be my top choice for the best band song i think i'm a that's a great one saint number one for you. yeah i think so i think so it i think so it's the one i've listened to the most in my entire life i find it nice. incredibly transport top five you, for me for sure i i it, yeah it would i i like that song a lot it would not make my top 10, but, I, but I, but I'm a huge fan of it. Would Jackie what, Wilson? No, Jackie, Jackie Wilson said would, would be a top five for me. It is just nice. So what part guys, of this is well, what do you guys like about Van Morrison? I love his voice. Yeah. Here's, here's another I, thing about me. What, the way I would answer that question is what I like about Van Morrison is Astral Weeks. <laughs> that's how, that's, that's the fair. best way that's I know. Fair. That's not fair. You know, but so, that's that's my best way to answer it. I mean, uh, but yeah, but I mean, it just it it just is that that uh the the sublime mm-hmm. kind of thing that he and Astro Weeks, like you were saying earlier, was that it doesn't seem like 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 there's like it's kind of effortless. Like they just go in there and they lay the tracks down. It's not really trying to be this miracle that we now call it to be it was just kind of a matter of like let's lay these songs down we only have three days in the studio and it came out just like pure magic um which which uh, that that kind of uh bogs down the fact that there are trained musicians who play all their lives and are experts you know who are working really hard on making great music it's not just magic it's very skilled people that last point I think is really good. And actually it speaks to something I want to say after um, Rob mentioned the, uh, the Coltrane record and the fact that, you know, or, or the fact that you find like the beautiful moments, like in the transience of live performance, right. Which is something you have to go, if I'm understanding you correctly, you have to go mining for to find in a live performance oftentimes. Right. Yes. Um, and I think that like, that's fine. And I agree with that up until I don't. Right. Which is a long way. But where I don't agree with it is specifically with something like an Astral Weeks or a Sweet Thing, right? Which has that um, nearly improvisational, entirely free flow to it, but are responding in incredibly perfect ways to what are finely wrought lyrics, right? However imagistic they may be. Like, um, so I'll stroll a merry way and jump the hedges first and drink clear, clean water for to quench my thirst. And I'll walk and talk in gardens all misty, wet with rain. Like, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it means anything. Like, it means something to me, right? A lot. But I don't know if it actually means something objectively. But to have, like, that insistent, throbbing bass line under that, like, it, mm-hmm. it, it marries all the stuff you're talking about, about live performance, but with songcraft, right? In a way that I think was kind of left aside when you were talking about what live performance can be. Because I think it is more than just a live performance. No, right. and and I and, and and I I apologize if if that's if the the goal was not to 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 belittle in any way the live performance. I, I think there is an incredible value in that, and one of the beautiful things about a live performance, and, and in fairness, one of the really strong points in my mind about Astral Weeks is 
a a really great rhythm section. Mm-hmm. And so we've we've actually been talking. We were having a conversation. We were texting the other night about a Radiohead's OK Computer. And and for me, like I feel like the unsung hero of that album is Colin Greenwood. Like the 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 bass is perfect on that album. And 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 look the the drum the the drumming the the bass uh, the all of kind of the jazz rhythm elements are so tight in Astral Weeks that it does it provides it provides the setting for all the instrumentation for for all of the improvisation of of the horn sections and you know I, I think there's in some of and look there's there's great great guitar work on Astral Weeks like. And so that's the thing is, as, as a musician and someone who really loves live music, like I don't want to take anything away from, from the, the power of great musicians in a room playing and, and improvising together. Cause when you can do it at that level, it's, it's a high wire act mm-hmm. in, in some of that on Astral Weeks is, is really beautiful. And some, in some of it is a little bit like, Oh, oh no, are they, you know, are they about to lose it? Or are they about to fall off? And that's, and I think that's the, the tension of that, it, which I think, you know, I think you've both kind of used words like immediacy and, and, and but like the, the tension of that is, is engaging. I, I've, I have no problem admitting that. That's, that's a deeper level of appreciating music than, than I, I always have access to or the energy for so that that might be another way of of kind of articulating it that like there there is not a day that i that i put on side one of moon dance where i can't enjoy it like it's there it's present no matter where i am can put it on it's it's so it's it's reliable i guess might be the better way of saying it astral weeks I, if, if I'm going to enjoy Astral Weeks, I have to have the time set aside to be, become fully immersed in that album. Um, it's, not, it's not an album that I can just like put on while I drive somewhere or do something else. Like For me to enjoy Astral Weeks, it, it has to have all of my attention in the same way that a great live concert would. You know, the, the kind of live concert where even, even today at the risk of sounding like the old, the old person in the room, like there's something beautiful that happens today when you go to concerts or before the pandemic where, you know, it's reached this point now where the first three or four tracks, everyone has their cell phones out and rather than enjoying the show, they're just, they're just, you know, filming the concert they're at on their phone. Mm -hmm. But there's something happens by that fifth or sixth song where people start to kind of settle into, Oh, I'm here. This is it. And they put their phones down and they become more present in the moment. And that's a beautiful thing when it happens. And for me, I have to be prepared for that to fully enjoy Astral Weeks. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so for me, there, there's beauty in that. Uh, this, you know, th- those are the things that I love about that album. But that idea of accessibility, um, if we're going to talk about an all-time great album, I, I don't know... I don't know that if we're saying, hey, this is one of the greatest albums of all time, if it should, if it should require that much work on behalf of the listener. I, I, I get everything that you're saying. I get all of it. But from my personal experience, it doesn't take any work 
for me to get into Astral Weeks. Mm-hmm. Like like with Sweet Thing, when he says when when he comes in, like I'm all, I'm locked in. When those vibraphones come in and the bass starts, like I'm already in before he has to sing anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I, uh, it, 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 man, it's like almost the opposite though. You know, like it doesn't take much where it doesn't need catchy chorus. I don't need a big catchy chorus for Astro Weeks. I need, all he has to say, you know, point the finger at me, putting on his little red shoes. And like that alone, like, I'm just like, like it, it, it it's penetrative, like to my soul. And I will never grow so old So, so Michael, what what about you? Let's let's invite you into this. What's what's your take on Van Morrison? What do you love about Van Morrison? Um, as you think about the different sides of this artist um, over the course of his career, what is it? What is it that you are drawn to about Van Morrison? And how do you appraise his albums? Maybe do we want to look at doing like a top five? I mean, I think he's incredible. I had not spent a sustained amount of time thinking about Van Morrison until we decided to do this. And one thing I realized rather quickly is that with very few exceptions, I end up not being a fan of Van Morrison albums so much as a fan of Van Morrison songs. And uh, for instance, uh, Beautiful Vision from 1982, I think is an album that is not very good. But despite its kind of theosophical nonsense, I think Dweller on the Threshold is an incredible song. It's an incredible sounding song. That's the song with the Strat Tones that I mentioned at the outset. Um, and I think there's a lot of his albums that like, I think V Dunn Fleece is incredible. I think Fair Play is the high point, right? Mm-hmm. And I would be happy with just that song. And the rest of the record is incredible, but I would be happy to leave the rest. Like that, that song right there is enough output from him like in the mid seventies for me, like in 73 or 74, whenever that record came out, right. That that's a colossal achievement. Right. So that's one thing about how I think about his records. I don't actually think about his records very often. The exceptions are Moondance, St. Dominic's preview and Astral Weeks, right. Those are the records I think about qua records, right. And listen to all the way through deeply immersed. I think the thing that I'm drawn to most about him is the sort of um, like the volcanic immediacy of his voice right? Just in a purely visceral level, the way I respond to it, it's, it's almost precognitive, right? Because he's also an incredible writer, right? I mean, he's a mm-hmm. really solid writer, word for word and line for line, but that's not what I end up getting into the first time I listen to any sort of Van Morrison. So it's more sort of, uh, and, I, and that's how he even talks about it himself, right? I think I've read where he's like, after I write it, they're just syllables. I bark, <laughs> you know? He's not really that worried once, he, once, it, once it's, once it's you know, past a draft stage for him. Um, so that's kind of what I think about when I slide into Van Morrison and, and listening to Van Morrison. Um, the song craft can be so incredible that you can, like you, I've got a Van Morrison playlist that I've had for a couple of years, like when I run and you can cobble together a playlist, which is 
the high points of the catalog are so far beyond just about anyone, right? And this goes beyond just the visceral response to his voice. I mean, this gets to the writing, the performances, to the production. It just sound good too. The reason that I like St. Dominic's preview is independent of all the stuff that I've just said about his voice, because it's not exactly an exalted vocal performance, really. And in fact, it reminds me of a kind of crow song called uh, uh, Mrs. Potter's Lullaby. <laughs> it's, it's much more discursive in a way, right? That's why I mm-hmm. dig on that song. Um, and then on Moondance, I think that the way he, like the attack on his voice in the first line of Glad Tidings is probably my high point vocal moment on that album. Um, and also Caravan's incredible. Um, but when I think of Caravan, I have a hard time extracting my memory of Caravan on the album from the performance of The Last Waltz, which is just something else. I mean, his little jumpsuit mm-hmm. and his little kicks, little cocaine meatball. Um, but, so those, those, those are kind of my, those are, the, those are some of my high points about those three records in particular. I would say St. Dominic's Preview is my fifth favorite Van album. His band in Street Choir is number four. A Period of Transition is number three. Astral Weeks is number two. Moondance is number one. All right, so my five Van Morrison albums, number five changes depending on maybe what I just heard last. Mm-hmm. Right, which which is like the two after it I listened to most recently, and I just finished his band in the street choir, so it is number five. Uh, number four, and this this isn't I'm not making the case for best. I'm just making the case for my favorites. Like what I'm like if I'm gonna listen to Van, like th- these are the albums I'm gonna reach for, right? Uh, so the number four would be Moondance, which isn't a knock because I'm not talking about best, but I'm just talking about favorites and the ones that I'm going to reach for if I were going to listen to them tomorrow. And so I've spent less time with the next two and that's kind of why they are where they are on this list. So number three would be St. Dominic's Preview. Number two would be Beat and Fleece. And then number one, obviously, is Astral Weeks for me. So my top five are going to be the same as Micaiah's, but in a different order, um, probably. Uh, but the same at number five, his band is Require, is my number five. My number four is Veden Fleece. <sighs> right, so we now are rounding the corner where uh, I don't want the order here to like, don't read more into this order than, than what I might end up saying at the end of this conversation. But I think then we have Moondance and then Astral Weeks and then St. Dominic's Group. Um, well, well. So, so Michael, I want to thank you for being with us today. Um, yeah, we got to sit. We're gonna, you're gonna be the first guest to get a care package. Like, do I get to decide? Do I get to cast judgment? Like, do I get to pick? You have to. I think. I think. I think. I think you're you're gonna have to, or else this is gonna be the episode that never ends. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I am prepared. I look. I have listened. I have been open. Absent any controlling definition of greatness. 
on the proprietors of this podcast part. <laughs> I've been thrown back on uh, the fact that one of these albums feels uh, entirely singular and unique. And uh, I mean, I think I'm voting for Astral Weeks primarily because it is the only album I can think of that I've ever listened to that in the moment that I'm listening to it, I feel empowered to change my life. Wow. And I don't get that. Like I get that immediately as it just rushes over me and I don't get that from Moondance. Can you say more um, about that? It's something that occurred to me as I was listening to you guys talk about it and mm -hmm. it just feels there's, um, so basically I'm making up what I'm saying now because it's not that thought through because um, I'm responding in the moment to what this last two hours has been. But like, I think there's just something about, um, there's a sense of play and there is a sense of possibility and there's a sense of fluidity and uh, a sense of potential failure, all in the high wire act of the performances of Astral Weeks. And it's unlike anything I've ever heard that is delivered as popular music, right? Now you can get zany with zany guys like with Sonny Rollins, right? Um, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about pop music. And I think that as far as like a way that it deforms and remakes the pop form, right? Um, shorn of discernible bridges and choruses. I think that there's something really incredibly um, important, transformative, and uh, I don't know, like I've, I've run out of synonyms for like greatness that uh, I attach to Astral Weeks. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that that's my vote. Although I think when it comes down to it, I listen to Moondance more, right? And it's the sublimity that you mentioned when you said, this is what you like out of music. It's what I like out of music too. But mm. it's something that I don't get out of any other music quite the way I do out of that album, which I could also then isolate to two tracks, really. Right? Yeah. Astral Weeks could be Astral Weeks and Sweet Thing. And I think it would still be Astral Weeks, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I love the rest of it, most of the rest of it. But I feel like there's something about that, whereas like as, as powerful and as great as Moondance is, it just doesn't... Um, it doesn't rise to that life-changing level yeah man it doesn't feel like um like i've never had a confrontation with moon dance right you can't help but be confronted by astral weeks and what you come away with after that confrontation is something that you can use like that's a tool but like I, there's definitely like a grappling with it that i don't get from from moon dance or anything else in his catalog or really anything else in just about anyone's catalog so i i can agree to all of that the, the, the idea of this Astro Weeks is an album that does require you to face off with the tensions of, of it. And, and again, in, in a way that Moondance doesn't require. Um, but because of that, Moondance is the, is the album I'm going to listen to more frequently. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't have a problem with with that judgment or that assessment of of saying hey if if we're looking at something that is a unique a, a unique piece of art in the history of this artist who we love of their work this this is a unique mm -hmm. album in the way that it exists separate from the the rest of his catalog even even if we recognize I may listen to something else for enjoyment more. 
there's something powerful in this album. I can I can agree with all of that, and and still and still personally prefer Moondance, <laughs> but I can but I can agree wholeheartedly with that with that assessment, and and be okay with part of with what, us saying. Isn't part of what makes Moondance kind of great is the fact that it's not Astro Weeks insofar as wow he did that and he can do this. Like if it was uh, whatever, like if you went from blowing your mind to Moondance, I think Moondance would be less impressive than if Astro was its precursor, right? Agreed. And I think that that movement right there lends something to it. It does make me wonder, essentially the, the at least the short-term commercial failure of Astro Weeks is, to, to the point you're making, Michael, is, is that part of why so much attention is paid to crafting these kind of radio friendly potential mm. hits mm. on moon dance is because there was no big payday that came out of astral weeks. Not, not in the short term anyways. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good and astute observation, Rob, that that could very well, like I can't find that's, that seems to be like the most powerful interpretation of why those records are so different. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, it's driven by the fact that he needed. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I don't. Yeah. I don't know when he said this. It's on the Moon Dance Wikipedia page, and it, the footnote leads to a book, but it doesn't really say when this quote happened. But he's Van Morrison says, "I make albums primarily to sell them, and if I get too far out, a lot of people can't relate to it. Uh, mm-hmm. I had to forget about the artistic thing because it didn't make sense on a practical level." One has to live. Uh, but it does hint also that it, that, that is a retrospective thought. And I think that, yeah, money and age and abandon all have these things to play. But I, don't, I think that it has to be something plus all that. We've been having each of our guests at the end, since you were last year, give us what they think are five of the greatest albums of all time. This, is, this isn't you having to be like, okay, well, here's, I know the canon. Here are five from the canon. They can be perfect. Because I don't want to like say like blood on the tracks and sticky fingers, right? But like right. just five records that I think are some of the greatest records. Yeah, you can say your five favorites, what you think are the five best, five that you think really need someone to champion them. Okay. You know, however you want to approach I'm going to start with one that's new. And nope. that I think is a perfect record and that doesn't need anyone to champion it, but it's a perfect record. And that's Phoebe Bridgers, Phoebe Bridgers Punisher. I think that uh, they don't get their due, but the hold steady is about the only rock band that matters right now. I think that Link Ray's self-titled 1971 record is incredible. And I, this leaves rumble behind, but like the Link Ray record from 71 is incredible. An album I think that's great that gets overlooked is Paul Simon's Rhythm of the Saints. I think that's an astonishing record. Wow. I'm going to go on and put August and Everything After on the list. Of course. By the Counting Crows. I I think those are uh, five. I think most of those I would put on a top 100 list. I know I would put all those on a top 500 list. You know, and that's, look, there's a lot of albums. That's... (laughs) I think, I think those are incredible. I think those are all five records I stand by. Michael, I can't thank you <laughs> enough. Uh, you've been such a good sport. And uh, I got to tell you, for, for our first repeat guest, um, 
uh, <laughs> man, you, you, uh, I, I just, I just hope we didn't turn you off from being a guest again in the no, future. Man, I would love to do it again at some point. Just let me <laughs> no, know what you think would be good on. Appreciate it. Right. I had a lot of fun. I'll talk to you guys right. later. Going into it, I was not prepared to stomach losing this debate. But the way Michael articulated this idea that Astral Weeks is unique among Van Morrison's catalog and among rock, pop, soul music as a whole makes it worthy of consideration as not just the greatest Van Morrison album, but one of the greatest albums of all time. So while it is not the Van Morrison album that I prefer to listen to most often, I'm not mad that we are naming Astral Weeks as the Van Morrison album to be considered for the first season of our podcast as one of the greatest albums of all time. Makaya, do you want to go ahead and take your victory lap? Oh man, I see. If if I if we didn't get Astral Weeks on this list, I would have known, however many episodes we are in now, that we had no credibility. Like that's how I felt going. And I was like, if we don't get Astral Weeks, then people aren't going to want to listen to the rest of this podcast because we're going to lose credibility. I mean, that that's how passionate I felt about Astral Weeks going into this. I have a copy of the record framed on my wall. I have two vinyl copies on my shelf that are ready to be played. One from 1968, one from 2018. I have the CD in my car. I mean, this, this is an album. This is a top five favorite for me. Like in my personal top five is there. So if we were like all of our guests, when we asked them top five albums, I'm going to say Astro Weeks in my top five if I were one of our guests. So th- this one I, I took very seriously and would have been very upset to have lost even with the CB Wonders. Like, yeah, I get the case for Songs to Get Life over Inner Visions, Revolver, Versace and Pepper. I get these, you know, no skin off my back. But yeah, this one, this one would have felt personal if it, if it had gone the other way for me. But um, all that being said, even though, you know, it, it you know turned out in my favor, um, even though the, the battles are going to continue when we go to rank the list and you keep knocking it down, I'm, I'm just glad to have it on the 100 in our list. And um, honestly, at this point, I'm glad to put this behind us. Uh, this was, I, you know, we... We we both felt real passionate about this. We talked for too long to, to Michael Washburn, who did not deserve to have to listen to us for so long. For for our listeners, you're gonna hear an edited version of this podcast. And we and we edit down every week. And we we typically edit down about an hour interview with a guest and about an hour of Makai and I talking, and we edit that down to about an hour total. We spoke with or more realistically, we spoke at oh Michael Washburn for about two and a half hours about these two albums. Yeah, And so we just want to thank Michael again um, for his patience, for his grace, um, 
for being such a good sport. And uh, if nothing else, Micaiah, I think that that Michael's job as a guest tonight has has at least earned the sign of respect that you should go and listen to the first three Counting Crows albums sometime this week. I won. Why am I? Why do I have a penance? I won. You should have to listen to Astral Weeks more. Um, no, but no, but but we uh, we will do a Counting Crows episode after the end of season one. We're going to have them back, and I'm going to listen to you two talk at me about why this belongs, and I'm going to hear all about y'all growing up in the '90s and how rad it was. Um, yeah. So while, while I'm very happy that things came up Astro Weeks, I am not proud of what happened. <laughs> I am not. So I'm I'm glad to put it behind us and say on to the next album listener you can reach out to us on twitter at you forgot one pod on instagram at you forgot one or on our website you forgot one.com micaiah why don't you send us out tonight White as snow Flamster slider How she red If white as snow Tell it everywhere you go Saw you walking down by Ledbrook Road this morning. Saw you walking down by Ledbrook Road this morning. Catching pebbles. <laughs>